Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. I'm going to fare a guess here. Maybe only the star of Coming to America and uh, former Indiana Pacer big man Rick Smith's uh, second most noted from Marist College. Friend <laughs> <laughs> of the show, Bobby Marks from ESPN, the NBA front office insider, joins us. Is it fair to say just maybe you're locked in right behind? Because I thought coming to America, being a co-star in that was maybe something that got him over. I'll tell you what, after Monday night, I don't know if you watched Monday Night Football during the Giant game, and they had a, you know the live visual of um, – uh, Tommy DeVito's agent, uh, yeah. Sean Saletto, he might be the most notable Maris <laughs> alum right now ahead of being Rick Smith here. So I, we might have lost – I don't think Rick has lost the mantle, but I think I have at least with that number two spot for right now. Yeah, and, and really it was like the, the hat wear. The hat wear may have done it, you know? <laughs> I think there's a lot of things that did it. <laughs> there is no doubt. Bobby Marks joins us. All right, I want to start here. What what for you, because I know that you had a, a lot of positives regarding the Pacers prior to oh, yeah. that first in-season tournament, but what did the last week, even with that loss to the Lakers on Saturday, do for you and your thoughts about the Pacers moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it kind of, you know, it's, you know, funny, we've we talked about kind of retooling or rebuilding since the, uh, yep. the bonus trade here. Um, you know, I thought they played really well last year when, well, before Halburn got hurt, and now it makes you think, you know, or, you know, what's next, right? Like, what you, you kind of, you're on that national stage here. Uh, I think you have a really good team when all is healthy here. I think they've, they've proved it, um, you know, in, in the, you know, certainly in this in season tournament. I, even that Laker game, I thought they played, you know, well, didn't shoot the ball well. But what's kind of like, you know, what is that next, you know, what is that next step as far as to keep on getting better? Is it in the trade market in the next few months? Is it going to be in free agency? But, you know, maybe at a cost to some of your own players here. You know, um, Tyrese, you know, has came out and said it. And I think Woj said it on ESPN that, you know, these types of games, you know, puts you on center stage and to maybe go out and, you know, recruit, you know, try to recruit, you know, some other players, whether it be from a trade standpoint or free agency here. And it, um, it just it gives you a, a a platform that you wouldn't have had in, in, in any other year. We would be talking about you know, hey, this pitch team's you know thirteen ten or twelve and nine, whatever, and you know they're a good story right now. But you get you know basically when you're the only team playing last Saturday night and you were one of two teams playing, um, you know, last Thursday here, it just kind of puts you on a bigger stage. It does. Bobby Marks of ESPN, the NBA front office insiders on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I said this about tonight. They they go to Milwaukee tonight, and I haven't, like, pushed up a level of expectations because of last week at all. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you beat Milwaukee three times. In that first one, Giannis had 54. There was no Damian Lillard. The second one, it was a neutral floor. Both played in Las Vegas. And then if you go and you could have a motivated Milwaukee team considering what the Pacers did to them last Thursday, you do that, I'm going to start thinking a little bit. So what do you think is best suited for this Pacer team moving forward? And are they ahead of schedule a little bit more than even maybe you thought at this point. 
Yeah, I mean, I think a little bit of a head, head of schedule, but I think, you know, when, when you made the, the trade a few years ago, it wasn't like they completely, it wasn't, you know, you know we're just trading some bonus for draft picks or gutting it here. You still had some, it still had some pretty core pieces with, with Miles and, and, and TJ here, and then you get, you know, Neesmith last summer, and you keep on adding that with Matherin certainly here. So I think, you know, what's the next step here? I think, you know, certainly can you get a bigger, big wing, you know, big four, you know, certainly you've heard Siakam's name being mentioned around and that'll be an interesting, you know, case study just because of, you know, Toronto really has never made these guys available to the point where they were going to kind of, you know, um, dismantle um, that roster. You, you get into that dilemma. Well, we can get him in free agency potentially with room or do we go out and make a trade for him? Um, but at the cost of, um, you know, a couple of our players and maybe some, some draft equity here, but I think that's probably, you know, you've got, you got, I think you have plenty of offense. I think you have, you know, certainly from a shooting standpoint, um, you know, what happens with buddy that's, you know, certainly would be a big question. Um, but I think if you're looking at for what's next, I think where you can maybe you know upgrade, if if anything, is is maybe getting that 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 big wing that can guard the Giannis's of the world and um, you know Aaron Gordon and and Jeremy Grant, you know those type of you know six nine six nine wings here, um, you know maybe a little bit more. And I think Obi's done a good job, I think, but a little bit might be more established here. But as you know, it, like it takes you to a different level, right? Like it takes you to like that. That, hey, this is a great story, you know. Um, this is a young up and coming team, and now we're all like, you know, if it doesn't work out, then you're like, oh man, this, this is just a team on a treadmill. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's just no like doubt. we're we're a good 500 team that can't get out of the first round like that. So it's it's a hard thing to kind of balance here. It's kind of like you know, I think they're ahead of where Orlando is. Um, you know, and the Magic have a better record, but I think from a um, from a retooling standpoint, I think they're ahead of where the, the magic are. And Orlando's going to go through the same thing here as far as maybe adding a, a few players here and there. But um, but I think from from my perspective, I think you've got really good guard depth. Um, you know, I think certainly Miles, I think I get Jalen Smith back to give you some more depth. Uh, although Isaiah, I thought, gave you some really good minutes. Um, but I do think maybe a bigger wing would probably be a, a, a priority for um, for Indiana. In terms of Toronto, Bobby Marks joins us. Would it be Siakam or Ananobi that would work better within this Pacer makeup roster-wise, in your opinion? I think OG would. I mean, but the cost, you know, I mean, from a free agency standpoint, it might be similar. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, you know, with Siakam, who's extension eligible, and so is OG, but OG's at a lesser number because they can only afford him at a certain a price tag here. Um, does Indiana kind of go in that direction with Siakam? Um, I think this December 30th is, is, is a date kind of to circle, keep on your calendar here, because once that passes, then you're only you're limited as far as you know if Indiana went out and got him in a trade in, on January 15th, they're limited as far as what they can extend him to. So the likelihood is he plays out the year, he becomes a free agent here. So that's a risk within itself here. But yeah, I mean, I think you know, I, I, you know I'd love to see Siakam in a in a Pacer uniform if if that's the direction Toronto goes in here. But the cost is, you know, whether it be equity and draft picks, and then you got to go out and pay the guy. You know, you're gonna have to pay the guy um, 190 million dollars over four years, or you know, 40 million dollars in that in that price range. It's, uh, Bobby Marks, who is with us, how how much would it be more? You think equity in, in what they have, you know, built in with draft selections for the future, or player wise, what would that entail with, with a a pick? I guess with a trade like that. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to get to the certain number. So if you got a guy making, you know, whatever, $37, $38 million, you got to get within, I don't know, $32, $33 million in salary here. So it's kind of a little bit of, it's a little bit of both um, as far as from a, from a draft perspective here, but you kind of, you know, depends on who else is out there bidding um, depends on is Toronto willing yeah. to kind of hold on. They've, you know, in the past Toronto was held on to, they held on to uh, Lowry a few years ago, Van Vliet last year. I don't know if it's going to be different right now, a team that's fighting just to kind of get into that playing um, tournament here, but um you know, and if and is that the right guy, right? Like once you start kind of giving up things, whether it be draft picks, it it limits you as far as what's that next move going to be, and are you comfortable if, if him and Tyrese are your two mainstays here, and then you can continually to, to, to build around. All right, people have asked me this, so I'm going to ask you, and it's going to make some Pacer fans that are not privy to this probably freak out a little bit. But would Paul George be an option in your estimation? It's yeah. He would. I mean, it's a great name. And I know, listen, what's, what's, you know, how it ended there, but certainly the trade, um, you know, it's been, shoot, how many years has it been? Five? Yes. Six yeah. years, I think? Yeah. 17, I think, was the year. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that type of, you know, that, that big wing. You know, he's, he's already experienced the L.A. lifestyle, so it's not like we're going to be talking about, hey, you know, two years from now he wants to go to Lakers. You know, like, I, I think that's that will be over. And I think, you know, whatever happens with the Clippers and if he doesn't sign an, ex- an extension with Los Angeles and becomes a free agent, that's a guy that certainly we, you should be talking about from a, from a free agent perspective. I think from a trade standpoint, I think this roster in L.A. is all in, you know, certainly with the Harden trade. I think they're going to probably see it through unless things really go off the rails. And they played really good basketball of late here. So I think they, they're going to probably stay with this, this group for now. So, Bobby Marks, hey, one final thing before I let you go. I, I saw this. I think Kevin Garnett has a podcast, and we've heard this many a different times. But to you, is the, the Halliburton effect, is it a real thing? I know Garnett said that. Others have mentioned that, too. Is the Halliburton effect that he has on this team and could have on attracting players to this team, this organization, is that real? It is. I mean, it's the same with Shea Gildress, Alexander, and Oklahoma City. I think the day where we've we've gotten starstruck on New York and Miami and Los Angeles and some of these bigger market, you know, it's almost like we're getting to that football mentality here. If you have a really good quarterback, if you're in Indianapolis or Green Bay or one of these, you know, we don't consider big markets, um, you know, and you're a good receiver, you want to go play with a good quarterback. And I think I think it is legit as far as in a great city that Indianapolis has really good fans here. I don't think it matters, you know. If like if you don't want to live there in the in the in, in the summer, you can go live in Miami in the summer. Like you have, you know, you're there for you know seven or eight months and stuff like that. So I, I do think there is a I do think there is an effect certainly when you have a young player, um, you know, like Halburn. Bobby Marks, right there. You can find his his work on X or the former Twitter at Bobby Marks forty two. And again. He's right up there in the hierarchy of grads of Marist College right there with uh, Rick Smiths from the Pacers and coming to America and the dude in the hat that reps DeVito on Monday Night Football. You're right there, and buddy. Don't forget my guy, and don't forget my guy, Ian O'Connor, the one of the great authors out yeah. there, too. I texted with Ian. I said, man, we're, gonna, we gotta, we're, not, we're not noble anymore. We're like in the, 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 the back end here. We, we are going to circle the 30th of this month, and we're going to double back here relatively soon depending on how things go go and uh, get your take on what this Pacer team may or may not be going along with others here soon. If we don't talk, have a great Christmas. Happy holidays to you, Bobby. Thank you for always being awesome to the show. 
I appreciate it. Have a great holiday also. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, uh, the head coach of Ball State, maybe even more importantly, from the years 94 through 97, he was named Mr. Dubois County. It's Michael Lewis on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Were you well celebrated when you were Mr. Dubois County in those three years? Yeah, that was a that was a while ago, man. I don't I don't know if I really recall it being quite like that, but uh how you been? Good. <laughs> <laughs> do they, do they even have a Mr. Dubois County? I'm sure they got something done. See, there, I thought right? I was I was hoping for a little bit more out of you. That's how Fife would have answered that if I just said Mr. Clarkston, Michigan. No, 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 no. Don't compare the two of us. But how how you been, man? You're you're a Sycamore uh, grad, right? I am, yes. Yeah. 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 No, I, I did my homework before I came on here. I knew that before, <laughs> but I was studying up. Let's see what I'm walking into here. Well, you know what? You look at your team and the Sycamores. It's a hell of a good start on, on both sides coming up for that 145 gathering in game one of the Indy Classic Saturday. Well, I think it's a... Well, first of all, I think it's a great event, you know, and I think um, you know the series that you know we have with Indiana State, uh, the series that we have uh, with Evansville, and, and the series that I I would like to get started with other teams uh, in our state are, are good for basketball uh, in our area. And, and this this our our game with Indiana State was it was supposed to be played here at Worthen Arena here in Muncie. Um, you know, we've we've been in this event, um, the Indy Classic, now for the second year in a row. I think it's an unbelievable event. It's great for the state, um, and, and we're really excited to be playing, you know, Indiana State and Gamebridge Fieldhouse on, on Saturday. I think, um, you know, just, you know, watching Indiana State, um, they're fun to watch. They're not fun to prepare for, um, but they are they are fun to watch. Um, you know, just how they share the basketball, the pace at which they play with, um, and, and I think they're playing at a really high level. Uh, right now, especially offensively, and I, I think for um, you know a lot of teams at our level, the mid-major level, um, you know they've probably done as well as anybody at utilizing um, the portal and, and NIL to their advantage, and and uh, it shows they got a they got a really good basketball team over there. Is Michael Lewis a Ball State again? One forty-five that game, game one of that with the. Uh... The afternoon cap, if you will, being Purdue and Arizona going to be a great time at Cambridge Fieldhouse on Saturday. I want to double back to what you said, you know, how beneficial this is for your team and and your program up in Muncie. How do you weigh that coming down here and being able to play as now you are for a second straight year? Yeah, we got like I said, we got the chance to do it last year. And I, I just I think it's a, a great event. It's extremely well ran, well organized. It's a it's a big deal. Um, you know, for, for us personally here at Ball State, our our uh our greatest concentration of of uh, living alumni live in the Indianapolis area and although we're just a an hour away, like it's it's a great opportunity to um get down to Indianapolis and, and play. Uh, you know, we've got guys on our roster that have played for state championships um, in that arena. Um, you know, it's where the Pacers play. It's, it's where all these guys, you know, would love to love to end up. I just think it's a, it's a great event. Um, and, 
you know, it's just to be able to play in Indianapolis in that type of setting on a Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, I, I think for what basketball means in this state, it's an it's a it's a fantastic stage for our program. It's a uh, Ball State head coach Michael Lewis with us. How was your recruiting eye changed, if at all? You know, you you go from you know mixed program at, at UCLA and obviously on the road recruiting for them, and now you have your own program. And obviously, you're somebody you've sized up players forever. Don't get me wrong, but how how has that eye test for you for the players that you want to represent your program? How has that evolved? Well, I think the the core, you know, has a change. You know, I, I think I put a, a great deal of emphasis on competitiveness. Um, you know, obviously guys that, that love the game and love to compete. Uh, and then obviously the skill level comes in. You know, I think, um, you know, your, your phone doesn't just ring with McDonald's All-Americans calling you like it did at UCLA. But, uh, you know, I think we can uh, – I think our – our place, our university, our basketball program um, can attract the type of players that can be successful at our level. And college basketball is changing uh, daily, honestly, right now. Yes, it is. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're continuing to figure out, you know, what's best for Ball State and how to best navigate um you know the challenges that we we all face, and uh, we you know we got a we've got a good crew, a very very inexperienced basketball team, especially like when you look at somebody like like in Indiana State. But uh, you know we have a, a a crew that'll come out and and compete, and and has gotten off to a good start. And um, you know things are about to get difficult as we we head into these last two games before conference play, and then obviously our conference slate. But um, you know I like how our guys are progressing up until this point. Do you compare the the drive and the fire for players you want a part of your program to what you had and what you have right now as a coach? What you had as a player? <laughs> I, you know, is I, that fair? No, well, I don't know. I'm, I, it's, because it's, uh, I mean, you're a hardcore one, dude, I, I want, man. I want better. I want better players. No, I mean, I, no, I'm talking. I'm just talking about you love the game. You love. You played the game every stinking well, moment of your life. Yeah, I, I think there's key things that. Um, that allow kids to be successful. And I, I think obviously there's got to be a certain level of skill. There's got to be a certain level of athleticism. Um, but when you get to the division one level, like you're dealing with the top one or top 2% of all high school players. So now what is it that is going to separate you from everybody else? Because what you've done in high school is no longer good enough. You know, you're just like everybody else. And so that talent discrepancy really shrinks. And so, you know, what are those intangibles um, that can, can separate you from, from everybody else? I think, you know, playing hard, the longer I've coached, playing hard uh, is becoming a skill. You yes, know, like it is. The, yes. The, the, just the ability to play hard, yes. the, the ability to have the, the, the mental makeup to overcome hard things and to do hard things over and over and over um, to kind of get to be able to get lost in the the details, you know, the simple things, the fundamentals, um, you know, and I think you got to do those things. you got to love basketball. And I'm not sure, um, you know, how many kids truly love basketball anymore with all the other things available to them. So, you know, that's why I see I put a big emphasis on, you know, loving the game, um, because if you love the game, it's, it's not. It's not going to be difficult for me to get you in the gym and work, See, you know, and then yep. and then you got to love to compete. Like, I don't care if, if we're playing checkers, we're playing uh, a video game like I want guys that love to compete. It's funny you brought that up being a skill because I, I talked about this and, and this is regarding the Pacers in terms of T.J. McConnell. 
And, I, and people say all the time, well, he doesn't do this or doesn't do that. And I said, here's what he does do. I said, he has he has a trait where he plays hard, and that is a skill in basketball. So don't try to act like you haven't heard the show in a long time because you've been listening. That's, exa- that's exactly how I brought it up. And, and, and you're right. It is a tough world to where you know you get past deep three-point shooting or ball handling ability get getting easily wherever you want on the floor or this incredible athleticism it is tough to tell folks sometime playing hard is a skill but you're damn right it is yeah you know i i think in high school you can get away with that like you you can you can just be a guy that's just so much better than everybody else that you can overcome maybe some some guy that's just playing hard you know but but when you get when you bump up levels and that that talent discrepancy shrinks um i think that's when all those those smaller intangible things uh, begin to show uh and impact the game much more and there's so many different ways to impact winning uh, other than just scoring points Saw this stat. Michael Lewis, the head coach of Ball State, joins us again. Ball State, Indiana State. That's coming up on Saturday. 145, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the first game of the Indy Classic. Uh, you, you brought back, according to a stat, less than 20% of your team's points scored a year ago. And when you talk about basketball evolving day after day, there's no doubt about that. But do you like where you are right now, considering how much you didn't have from that team a year ago to start the season? Well, I like the growth of our team. I think, you know, these guys have gotten better. Now, I'm not sure any coach in America is going to be completely pleased um, you know, with the rate of, rate of that growth, and, and because of our inexperience, we're we're a little bit up and down. Uh, we're not as consistent um, in our play or our effort that I would I would like. Um, but we, you know, we've got some young guys that are going through it, and the the, the truth of the matter is, there's no shortcutting success. Like it it takes what it takes, um, both on and off the court. And we we've, we've got a group of guys that are that are going through that process and learning those things, and um, it's it's been very rewarding to see some of that growth and yet you know you got to continue to push to get them um to where not only where we want them to be as a coaching staff and a basketball program but where they have expressed where they want to be from an individual standpoint so that's that's kind of where we are right now anybody surprisingly ahead of where you thought their schedule was going to be so far in this season for you individually speaking no because i i don't try to i i don't try to put a cap on any of these guys okay you know and i think um you know when you're when you're breaking old habits you're developing new ones um they take hold at different times and and guys are going to have good days good weeks um you try to get them to turn those things into the good months um but um you know I, I i try not to do that because everybody's different um and they they respond and they pick up and they learn at different rates and um you know obviously you know a guy like you know a mason jones is a young guy that's that's been our lineup um, since our game started. Uh, you know, Trent Milton is a guy that's starting to see more and more minutes um, um, because of an injury, and he's he's taking advantage of that. Um, you know, Zane Dowdy is a guy that missed six weeks of of the preseason, and so that really kind of stunted his growth a little bit because he missed a lot of that that time in the fall where a lot of freshmen you know acclimate themselves to the the college game um you know joey brown's a guy that's just you know adjusting to everything um that is college um and and you know just physically kind of developing his body and then um you know yuri's our, our last true freshman um you know that is adjusting living in the united states 
And so they've all got different challenges in front of them, but it's been a fun group to work with. Our older guys that, that have played, the three guys that have played college basketball um, are growing in their leadership roles and, and providing um, those guys with, with those with those leadership things to help them along the way. And so it's it's been a fun group to work with. But, I, I you know, like I said, like you as a coach, you, you kind of keep that big picture and you see, um, you know, what you have in front of you and what it's going to take to be successful. Um, and we're going to get a real taste of that on Saturday. Michael Lewis joins us. You mentioned Zane, too, and we saw so much of him in that high level of success while at Ben Davis. What's impressed you about his acclimation to the college game since that of high school? Well, he's physically, you know, he's he's physically able to compete. Uh, you know, he's just he's got to be able to pick up um, some of the speed of the game, and I think that's where those those six weeks um, of being out uh, really hurt him uh, in some of that adjustment period. But um, you know, he's he's got a lot of good basketball in front of him. Um, he's got to be able to continue to to improve himself on the defensive end of the floor um, to be able to guard some of these. Um, guys that he's going to see night in and night out. Like he, you know, he, you know, I, I know what he was able to do in the in the state championship game, but he's got to be able to do that uh, every day now at this level. What do you think about Indiana State, Michael? From what you've seen so far, a one well, like loss I, team. Yeah, I like I said, they're fun to watch. Other than than we're trying to figure out a way to compete with them, but um, you know, I think they've got five guys that can all you know, score it from, from deep, um, you know, five guys shooting over 40% from the three point line. Um, almost, almost half of their shots come from out there. They do a great job of, of putting you in really difficult, um, positions to guard, uh, in the half court and they are able to get to the rim and attack you in transition. Obviously they got the ability to stretch the floor, um, you know, I, I think they've got one of the most unique players in, in college basketball, um, and you know how he, how they can run offense and play through him and the different things that he can he can do and provide for them offensively. Um, I, I just think it's a really good college basketball team and and one that you know if I wasn't um, trying to prepare to play them and compete with them on Saturday, um, you sit back and, and really enjoy watching how they play. Robbie Avila is who you're talking about. That you, yeah. your uniqueness of the, of the big man over there too, and, and that's the one thing I noticed. And, and we mentioned a little bit earlier how you know playing hard is a skill, but he's also got a a multi positional savvy to his game. Is that fair to say from what you've seen? Yeah, I mean it's it's fair to say like he he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you in the airport. You know, like he, he's kind of like, you know, like Jokic in the NBA. Like he's like the, the Missouri Valley Jokic, you know, like just how he facilitates things. And, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, he, he walks out there and, you know, he's got his goggles on and he just whips your ass. Like the guy just, you know, he's a really, really good basketball. Like it, you can tell that the game comes easy to him and he has got a very high basketball IQ um, to to go along with, with his skill level. And then, you know, he's surrounded with guys that can make plays off the bounce and can catch and shoot. And, you know, it's a it's a really good um, college basketball team. And like I said, it's one that when you turn on the film, like you, you enjoy watching them play some offense. So Michael Lewis, the head coach of Ball State, again, 145 that Saturday afternoon. Game number one, Indiana State and Ball State. Michael's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. All the way back to what you started with about the, the ever-changing day-by-day landscape of how you deal with recruiting and your team and all this um, and I talked to Josh Schertz last week about this of Indiana State. He utilized the, the transfer portal a great deal. Um, what do you think about the ever-evolving way that you put together a team now compared to, for example, when you were a player, which probably is to a degree pretty unrecognizable, is it not? 
Yeah, I think it's vastly different. And, you know, I think we, we, we talk a lot about as a staff and, and even with our administration, um, you know, when I when I first got in this business as an assistant um, and you, you start to visualize you know, what your program may look like and the chance to build a program. Like, I'm not sure you do that anymore at our, at, at our level. You know, I think when you're at, the, you know, if you're at the power five level, then, you know, you can kind of have a, a style and recruit to that and, and whatnot. But like at our level, at the mid-major level, I'm not sure you build a program anymore. I think you assemble a team and you put a team together and try to try to put the best team you can uh, together year in and year out. And, and I think that's what we're all trying to figure out. I think that's where, um, you know, Josh has done a great job at putting this, this particular group that he has together. Like, I think, um, you know, as far as anybody here regionally that, that people follow, uh, he's done a good, as good a job as anybody at utilizing the portal to, to attract a, uh, the type of guys that he wants to, that fits the way that he's going to play. And then he's got, you know, a commitment from the university to make those things happen. I think when you get those things moving in the same direction, then you can have the type of year that, that obviously Indiana State is off to. How's your NIL situation up there? I, I'm am I, I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about that, Jamie. Are you not? Get me in trouble on the on oh, the I'm not trying to. I've, I've asked that before. <laughs> yeah, you, I, I guess I, do you feel good about it? You can be general I, about it. I, th- I think we're all trying to, to navigate that space and find out what's best and the best use of, of what we're trying to do. Hey, follow me here. See if this sounds stupid. And it probably does because I'm the one asking the question here. Michael Lewis joins us. It, You've been accused of worse now. Oh, my. I, I told everybody at the start of the show, I go, you know, I've done this for 19 years, and I've made it abundantly clear that I don't have the smarts real good. So we start right there. I don't set the bar very high. Uh, but, no, seriously, I, I thought about this the other day. Um, is there a bit of an advantage, and I don't even know if I want to call it an advantage, but you get kids in state here in in a very robust state, loves basketball, very high level of basketball play, that bail and go to your number one someplace else and realize because of clock, because of other things, that's not for them. Is that an advantage to get them back and to show them what they were looking for, that they didn't have to go so far out to find out of state? Is there any advantage to that for you and your program? I, I mean, there there could be. You know, I, I think um, obviously I got a great deal of respect for – um, the coaching that takes place here in our state, both you know high school wise and uh, in the various AU programs, and and I think you, the coaching uh, is very good. So you're getting guys um, that are college ready. Um, I also think our state is is vastly over recruited because of. Um, you know, the notoriety of what basketball has in the state. And, and so I think it gets over-recruited um, in some situations and some guys getting some um, – have some opportunities that may not be what they initially envisioned and then the opportunity to come back uh, closer to home and, and compete um, is available to them. And like I said, it's it's changing every day. Um, and I think, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to figure out the best way to navigate this thing uh, to have as much success as we possibly can have here at Ball State. Did you know Jalen Anderson? Anderson prior to him joining your team I knew of him yeah. I, I didn't I didn't know him personally um you know but obviously we had uh our uh one of our administrative guys um at UCLA had taken yeah. um an assistant coaching job there at Loyola Marymount after our first year there at UCLA and um, so we followed that program while I was out there and then um obviously when he became available it fit a real need for us um when, when we got Jalen um Jalen Anderson, Jalen Sellers, and 
and uh, Boogie Coleman were still on our roster. Um, and Demarius Jacobs had, yeah. had eligibility was up and had graduated. He was now playing overseas um, and had a real need at, at point guard. And, and like he was looking, Jalen Anderson was looking for a bigger role, a bigger opportunity. Um, and that's what attracted him here. Uh, to Ball State was to, was to kind of fit that role and and that's kind of how you I you know, I envision us utilizing the portal um, is yep. to, is to plug holes and give guys opportunities and Jalen's come in and uh, done an outstanding job for us and you know he just he's played a lot of college basketball he's got a got a good feel uh, I like his size uh, I like his fit, his physicalness from the guard position and he and he's fit right in with us. Well, I was I'm a little disappointed because I was hoping you're going to say well you know that's somebody that T.J. Wolf recruited and forgot about. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm still waiting on Wolfie to drop me a couple of them dudes out there, man. You know, we need we need well, to work something out. Well, I the reason why I bring him up is because he, he was a part of that that Loyola Marymount team that that uh, snapped the 75 game home win streak of Gonzaga in the West Coast Conference last year. Correct? Is that, that was is, he a that part is, of that team? Yeah, that, no, that he he was a part of that team. I think he had 19 yeah. in that game. You know, so you know, just just his experience of. Um, you know, playing. You know, he's played at Gonzaga. He's he's played at uh, St. Mary's. You know, and and I think, um, you know, although he's a, inexperienced in his current role and what's currently being asked of him, uh, he's played, uh, you know, a fairly good amount of college basketball and and can rely on some of the, his past experiences. And like I said, his leadership's been good for our team. Man, this year to year thing. You, have you kind of just thrown the building of a program out the window when you just kind of reset every? Every single year now. That's it's, yeah, it is so yeah. weird. I, I, that has to be odd for you, though, to a degree. I know you got to get used to it, but it's got to be odd. Yeah, you bet. You better learn and adapt pretty no quick. Doubt. That's just how it's going to be. I I tell you who I, I feel sorry for, um, like the fans. To be honest with you, um, because you know you you get fans, they get attached to a young man, and you know know he's you're going to watch him grow and develop for four years, and um, you know I'm not sure that's necessarily going to be the case anymore. Um, so you know I, I I think the product that college basketball is putting out on the court right now is very good. Um, I'm not sure how we're operating is is what's is what's best, and that's what we've got to we've got to figure out because I think the product that we put out there. Um, is 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 of great quality and has been for many many years. Uh, we just gotta we gotta continue to to shine the the correct lights on it. You have any good ideas? No, nah, that's above my pay grade, man. I'm just trying to keep my head you're... above water. I'm trying you're... to get to practice at 10 a.m. tomorrow, brother. <laughs> you sit around. <laughs> you don't sit around and think about that. You know what's what's funny about it too. In closing, is I I talked to Dusty Dusty May a lot. Yeah. And during their uh, their final forerun a year ago he was telling me how all that was working and how yeah, yeah. he was just bombarded his, his guys were bombarded with it i i just i i can't imagine man I, how do you in that situation yeah, keep I mean, your I, I've focused. Talked, i talked yeah I've, i talked to dusty um you know over this off season about um you know different things you know and, and you're always kind of bouncing ideas off of of everybody but um you know i'm i'm a long way from being asked to be on any of those committees we all got ideas and um you know i've also talked to painter you know cuz yep. i know he's on some of those those um committees and and has a great voice and you know a lot of the a lot of the issues are he, he's like mike we get in this room there's 15 people on a committee which yes. is just like ludicrous to me. You, you can't get three people to agree on anything, much exactly. less 15. Yeah. You got 15 and you got two basketball coaches and 13 administrators and yeah. every vote comes down 13 to two. Well, <laughs> there's a problem. <laughs> I, I, we, we should I, we should just text Painter and have him come on here. He can be a part of this really short roundtable we're, hey, we're doing he's, right here. He's, he's, he's great. I, I, I enjoy talking to yeah. him. He's, he's uh, I tell you what, for – 
um, for him being a guy that, that um, one, me being from Indiana and him from Purdue, um, and two, um, me never being a guy that's ever worked for him. Like, I just kind of got to know him um, over over time. Um been very open to me, been very helpful to me, um, not only when I was assistant, but especially now as a, as a, as a head coach and just to kind of be able to bounce ideas off. He's been, he's been unbelievable from that standpoint, I think has a really good feel for a lot of these issues that, that, uh, college basketball is encountering right now. He's just got a, a good, a good way about him and how he delivers his messages. Um, and he's got a pretty good understanding of, of where basketball is right now. Uh, at the college level and some of the pitfalls that may be in front of us and how we need to navigate those things. He's a down-to-earth dude that can explain it to you. Yeah, he can explain exactly what needs to be explained to you in a detail in which you absorb it and not go over your head, which often happens. And Man, when you're talking about – I say this all the time, Michael, committees stink. I hate committees. (laughs) I hate consultants and I hate committees right there. I I, I, I believe in this. Like, I I think – you know, if you 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 hire people to be in leadership roles, um, it's their job to make the best decisions for that said uh, company or entity or, or or whatever it is. Um, if they don't make the correct decisions, then they're not going to hold those those positions very long. You know, I think you've got to empower. Um, you know, the people that, that, and then allow them to do their job. And I'm not sure, like, I'm not a big fan of the NCA, but I'm not sure we've ever empowered the NCA to where they've been allowed to do their job of, of enforcing the rules that the schools have asked to be enforced. And and I think that's where a lot of our, our problems lie is that the NCA has never really had the power to, to enforce the rules um, that us schools have asked them to enforce. And, and I, you know, it, it goes back over a long time of history. And I, I think we're getting to a point now where we can reshape some things um, that can help the long-term health of all our sports. It's awesome. Hey, we've got to get you back on so we can have further conversation on that, too. But, uh, you know, I'm always proud to have Mr. Dubois County, Mr. Jasper Holodome on here. 1994. Hey, I'm the self-appointed Ball State campus party planner. I can be the self-appointed Mr. Dubois County, I suppose, huh? Hey, man, the best of luck. It's great to talk to you. It really is. And uh, we'll catch up after this thing and uh, see how you're doing, Muncie. Call us anytime, man. I'd love to talk to you. At least it, it makes me feel like you're listening to me and not ignoring me, okay? I appreciate it, man. Take I'll it easy, brother. All right, yeah. man. Michael Lewis right there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. We talked to him last week, but I wanted to give a little bit of love to he and the program coming to Cambridge Fieldhouse on Saturday afternoon for game one of two. That's prior to Arizona and Purdue. The head coach of the Sycamores, Josh Schertz, joins us. I believe also, are you a high school grad of 94? Was that your year? No, 95. 95. A little slower, yeah. Oh, 95. <laughs> Man, yeah. I'm old. I was 88. How much older? I'm six years older than you. Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah, Lord six, of mine. Six years, yeah, I was slow, slow coming through. I just feel good. I always feel good though because I know Graves is a lot younger than me, but he looks a hell of a lot older. So that's yeah, good. Yeah, that's the thing with Graves. Yeah, I mean, you, you're probably a couple years older, but Graves, Graves looks like he's ten years <laughs> older than you for sure. So that's got that. That's why I hired him. I wanted somebody to look older than me. To look <laughs> 
we talked about this a little bit last week. What, what's Aaron Gray's situation going into this weekend? Yeah, so, well, obviously uh, very fluid uh, as of today, right? So um, we're going to talk uh, tonight, and um, but uh, the way we understand that, um, you know, that ruling, that, that, that temporary restraining order is that, uh, you know, um, that he's eligible to play. And um, so now it's, it's a conversation of, you know, they're, they're going to have a new hearing uh, in two weeks. Um, and so uh, certainly he is eligible to play these next two games now. What happens on the 27th, you know, we don't know. But, um, you know, we also, you know, are going to talk with, with our – we have, you know, from a compliance standpoint, uh, Joel McMullen, I think, is as good as there is. Uh, you know, just had a conversation with him, uh, kind of what we think is, is, is going to be the outcome here moving forward. And then I'm going to sit down with Aaron uh, tonight. I know from a team standpoint, those guys want to play. I think Aaron uh, himself wants to play and certainly – uh, he's, he's one of our best players. So, uh, you know, that, that there's a standpoint of makes us better, but there's the flip side of missed 10 games and could this go away in, in you know, in two weeks? It could, and, and then what's the risk reward there? What, what do you think it is as of right now in terms of playing on, on Saturday? Are you comfortable? Are your team comfortable with this right now playing? Yeah. yeah. I think so. I think so, yeah. I mean, I don't think – I think our guys are pretty – uh, you know, they're, they're, they've been pretty good about, hey, whatever gives us the best chance to be successful. I don't think, uh, you know, the, the thing that you run into with Aaron is, you know, up until, you know, today he's been on the scout team and, and doing, you know, he's not been, you know, he, he's, you know, simulating the opponent more than he's, yeah. you know, working inside of our system. So it's not just, all right, you know, he's back and, and, and he's, you know, ripping rare to go. Like he's, his practices are basically, you know, simulating whoever the other team's best player is usually. Now, so getting him acclimated to what we do. Um, but I, I think from a team standpoint, uh, and I'll talk to those guys as well, I'm going to, you know, kind of in order with Joel, um, and then I'm going to talk to Aaron, and then I'm going to talk to the team. But from a team standpoint, I don't imagine there being any pushback. I think they know how good he is. Um, we, we practice against him every day. Um, and so if it gives us the best chance to uh, accomplish what we hope to accomplish, I think our guys will be, uh, you know, on board with that. And Aaron's a guy that, you know, I mean, he, he's not going to come in and, and, and rock the boat relative to I got to start, I got to play these minutes. I mean, you know, we'd have to bring him along, uh, catch him up to speed, and it would be a, a process where I don't know that, that he would do much on Saturday in terms of being, I think he'd be somewhat impactful, but, I think we'd see his full impact as we get into, you know, probably early, mid-January. Josh Schertz, the head coach of Indiana State, 145 for Ball State and the Sycamores, Gamebridge Fieldhouse, coming up on Saturday afternoon. All right, when he gets back into it fully, let's just say, for the sake of the question here, he is going to be good to go for the longer term. What does he add to this group that you have right now? Well, he's, he's, he's our most dynamic athlete. He's a six foot eight guard. Uh, he can he can shoot threes. He can drive the ball. He's got great versatility defensively. Um, like like Jason Kenny's a terrific cutter. Uh, he made fifty plus threes last year uh, at Niagara. Had a couple thirty point games at Division One level. Uh, he's a tremendous rebounder. He can post. Um, you know, so I, I think a lot. I mean, he's you know going into the season. You know, when we were applying for the waiver, I mean, we projected him as you know, certainly right there in that top tier with, you know, with our, our best guys. Um, he's been as productive as anybody. And um, so now the biggest thing is going to be okay, uh, just catching him up to speed on what we do. I mean, he obviously has a base knowledge of what's going on, but just the, the, the more of the nuanced stuff. But I think he's, 
got a chance to be as you know as as impactful as as, as good a swing a big wing as there is in the league. I mean, there's not many guys six eight. Uh, with his level of athleticism, his level of versatility, and he really impacts the game on both ends of the floor. What's He's this? Yeah. Significant, significant impact for us. What, what's this matchup and playing at Cambridge Fieldhouse do for you and your program on Saturday? Well, it does a couple things. One, I think it, it provides an unbelievable stage and and platform for our program. You know, Indiana State kind of tends to fly under the radar. Um, I know you do a great job. Not in my world, baby. Not, Not in my world. world. Well, you are the one person out there <laughs> pumping it, so we appreciate that. But, you know, so, so I think the opportunity to play uh, in a sold-out game bridge in Indy, um, where there's a lot of intrigue around the game. And, then I, and I think that's a great opportunity. we got to capture the moment. But that's a great opportunity for our program. And then I think the second thing it does is, you know, when you look at ultimate success in college basketball, um, it's exactly that, right? Like you have to do exactly what we're asking our team to do on Saturday, which is, you know, go to a neutral site, um, play in a big cavernous arena against a really high-level quality opponent. And whether that's, um, you know, in Arch Madness in St. Louis, the Enterprise Center, or if we're fortunate enough to be in the NCAA tournament, like that's what we're going to have to do. Take our operation remote, find a way to go play, a, play in a huge arena against a quality opponent on a neutral floor and find a way through that competition. So it's a great trial run for us from that regard. And I think the, the you know, from an from a, a exposure standpoint, a, uh, an opportunity standpoint, um, you know, just, get, you know, being seen, visibility. I don't know that outside of playing in the NCAA tournament that there's going to be a bigger opportunity for us to, to make a statement about what Indiana State basketball is about. What do you think about Michael's team coming in? Really like him. Um, really like him. Michael's done a great job. I mean, goes in, wins 20 games his first year. He really gets dealt a, a tough hand. I mean, they lose three players to high major uh, schools uh, in the portal. They lose one in, in, in August. I mean, you're sitting there going like a, as a coach, you're, you're, you know, you really are, you know, your, your heart breaks for other coaches. Um, and, and you're like, man, what a tough hand. And then they're eight and two. Yeah. And, and it's really a bunch of guys that were there for the most part. And they're just taking on bigger and more expanded roles, uh, starting with uh, Jihad, who's, who's just playing, you know, lights out. I mean, 20 points a game and, and, and eight rebounds a game and inside, outside. He was a backup center to Sparks last year, and he's playing, you know, basically three through five for them. And they've surrounded with really good players. They're like, like his team was last year, very sound, very tough. They play great defense. Um, they, 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 they hammer the boards. So it, it's, a, it's a tremendous challenge. I think I read somewhere that, you know, the, the four teams this weekend are 33 and four combined or something like that. And, um, and so it's, it's, a, it's a really, really uh, good basketball team, exceptionally well coached. And we're going to have to play, uh, you know, as, as well as we played all season to have a chance to be successful on Saturday. That's for sure. He is Josh Church, the head coach of Indiana State. Indiana State and Ball State, a part of the Indy Classic coming up on Saturday. I'm excited. Now I'm going to keep track because I've got Colts pregame because I do the pregame show um, live on location since that's going to be going on too. But I'm going to be keeping track and um, we'll catch up next week and, and see what happens. But I'm excited. Absolutely. Congratulations for that and uh, congratulations for the start. And we'll stay in touch have a great game and a great afternoon on saturday over here appreciate you so much thanks for all you do for us and we look forward to catching up here soon thanks again 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline from the morning show, it is the morning wake-up call with KB and Andy. The KB part of it is Kevin Bowen, who joins us now. Is the awesome Maddie doing all right? Yeah, she uh, she's hanging in there. She broke her foot, um, gosh, what was it, about two weeks ago now? So no weight-bearing for a month, and then I think we're – Booting it up after that for another month. So that sounds fairly yeah. major, right here. Yeah, it sucks <laughs> to be totally honest with you. It's like a Liz Frank type of thing. It sounds like to me a little bit. Yes, well, it's not really funny, but we go in there and the doctor's like, "Yeah, you know, Liz Frank, Liz Frank." And I'm thinking to myself, "Oh gosh!" Every time I hear that from a sports sense, that means like the dude's season is over. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, she broke the White uh, Freeney years ago had a Liz Frank, if you remember, in that right. in that rainy game in San Diego against the Chargers when we were watching Manning throw to Devin Aramashadu and Crap Thorpe. <laughs> Is that all the missed field goals by Vinatieri in that game? Too? It was. It was the game winner yeah. that he missed right there. But yeah, we we watched. I think Manning threw six interceptions in that game and nine touchdowns, something like that. It's weird. <laughs> it was odd. She broke um, metatarsal two, three, four, what, and five. So yeah, it was um, it was ugly. So what's she doing? Like making a, a cut into the lane to try to. Trying to get a backdoor feed, or what was happening here? What were you guys doing? Some, you know, high school volleyball throwback days for uh, for Maddie Lovers there. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite the uh, last couple of weeks, but luckily we got great help from friends and family, and kids have not made me go sane or have not made me go insane just yet. She played high school volleyball. Yes. Uh-huh. Where, where'd she play? At Chittard. Uh, oh, well, how did this happen? How did she play volleyball? At, no, how did this uh, whole did she, relationship? Because you, you're a cathedral guy. Yeah, she talk. How did yeah. this? How did we get the, this? The, how did we get the peanut butter and the, the chocolate here? What happened? Well, <laughs> there's just a Northside Mafia. Everybody, I mean, you know, everybody knows everybody, and all of a sudden, yeah, I, I didn't even go to you know Catholic schools until cathedral, but. Uh, I had some friends that I made a cathedral that obviously were friends with people at Chittard, uh, and then boom, you get introduced and. Here you go. So what you're saying is it's it's Roncalli and Cecina and Ritter that are the actual outliers here is what you're saying, right? <laughs> well, let's not forget about maybe Lutheran. Yeah, Lut- well, Lutheran and Garen, I guess you can throw Garen into. Yeah. So, yeah. Makes yeah, sense. now, you know, Garen was built when I was a senior, so that's certainly on the rise, but... Yeah, she fell off a chair putting up a wreath. It was uh it was quite the call to receive. Well, give uh, our best to Maddie on a, a quick and fantastic recovery. That stinks right there. And she's been yeah, tough as hell in trying to like, you know, she she got she had like some HSA money. She got one of these. I mean, honestly, it looks like she's got pretty much like a half a leg to like kind of scooter it around, but like manually do it. I don't yeah. know if I'm painting the best picture yeah. of it. It's a little easier, I guess, to do that kind of inside than just kind of crutch your way around. And boy, she's uh, she's done a great job in trying to handle that and still be the great parent she is. So I, I'm trying to think if December is a good time or not. I'm like, well, you aren't really outside too much, but, you know, it it obviously sucks any time of the year. It does. More or less having two kids under three, it just sucks.
So do you uh, you have to get her one of those motorized carts at Walmart? <laughs> she, she does that well. I mean, can you imagine the kids? Oh, my God. We've been there for three hours. Well, I haven't seen Maddie. Oh, she's Ubered to Walmart, and um, she's going up and down every aisle there. So she uh, crutches and then the little – we call it her peg leg. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what she's been uh, using to uh, motor around. Yeah, well, give Maddie our best too. That, Will do. Uh, that Thank that definitely Tom. stinks any time of year. You're right, but especially during the holiday season. So I was just talking to Bobby Marks, and you know, we get you know always the Toronto Siakam this and Ananobi that, and then we dropped in the whole Paul George thing, <laughs> and he went he went into it like you know what that makes a hell of a lot of sense. I don't know. Can you you sell that? Paul George here to the most of the fan base that are fans of the Pacers around here for the future again, a reboot? I don't know about most, but I do think that I've at least heard from some, John, that I would say in the last couple of months especially have kind of come around to the idea. And I don't know if they, like, listen to Tyrese Halliburton on Paul George's podcast and they're like, oh, my gosh, they're friends. And and Paul now has this great perspective and is – I mean, how old is Paul? He's got to be, what, 30 – three, something yeah. like that, 30. I, I mean, he's got to be close to his mid-30s. You know, he's he obviously learned a lot about his career and whatnot. I, I would still think if you put a poll out there, I would guess most Pacers fans would be opposed, but I don't think it's like, you know, 90, 10, 80, 20. And obviously, Bobby Marks, you know, isn't in our market, so probably didn't doesn't understand the no doubt. Of, no doubt. Know, when Paul left. But there's no denying Paul's skill set would be very, very welcomed. It's just, you know, kind of like Drew Holiday at the start of the year. I mean, that, that's a move of all of a sudden you're pushing a lot of chips into the middle of the table for a guy that's battled injuries and, you know, is obviously reaching the twilight of his career. So uh, that would be quite the 180 from, you know, Kevin Pritchard still kind of wanting to, you know, build this in more of a let's not push all our chips into the middle of the table right away sort of thing yeah and it's me and kevin bowen joins us the morning wake-up call with kv and andy he's with us via the andy moore automotive group hotline uh you know me and being so reactionary in a moment and we're in the moment tonight and i don't put a great deal of stock because honestly i think the pacers are going to have a lot of trouble in this game in milwaukee tonight but i gave everybody a what if if they were to go up there and when in Milwaukee, and obviously you look at the standing, and, and that's one thing. But if you go up there and win in Milwaukee, and then you look back at they beat Milwaukee previously in Indy when Giannis had 54 without Lillard. They, on a neutral floor in Vegas, they beat Milwaukee with both. And then knowing the motivation Milwaukee probably will have considering how they were done, especially at the end of the game last Thursday, if the Pacers were to go up there and win – I may have to kind of push the expectation bar up a little bit because to me, that would be incredibly impressive. I, I mean, I'm not going to consider it a big game of, well, you either do this or, you know, this happens. But in terms of raising expectations, I think I might after this game tonight if they were able to do it to Milwaukee again. Yeah, it's, um, it's kind of like interesting if you look at the Pacers. Like, let's say they win tonight, 14 and 8 on the year, you know, on pace for north of 50 wins. And if you compare it to an NCAA tournament resume, it's like they've got the best wins of maybe anybody in the league. And then they also have some of the worst losses of anybody in the league. Um, you know, I think you and I, John, were both pretty high on them at the start of the year. Yeah. You know, I thought 45 wins and, and thought five or six seed was extremely realistic and doable. 
and that you know is where they are at if you look at the standings right now now it's a really jumbled east so um I don't know if I would all of a sudden rush to do something crazy in February, but, you know, is there kind of, I don't know, uh, you know, not Andrew Bynum, Evan Turner type of move, but is there one move that you don't feel like you all of a sudden are pushing all the chips into the middle of the table, but you give your team more of an opportunity to not be horrific defensively, and then all of a sudden in a seven-game series, which is different. I think we all need to acknowledge that. You know, one-offs during the regular season – are a lot different than what a seven-game series is all about. Um, is there a move there? Because I, I look at Halliburton under contract for the next five to six years. I look more at it as kind of like a four, maybe a five-year thing, because I think when players like Halliburton status reaches the end of those deals, that's when they kind of start to dictate things. And, I, and I'm unfairly grouping Halliburton into all the other stars, because I do think he's wired differently. But let's just go down that path just to do it. Um, I tend to think you have one big swing at it, and in the next kind of three years, that's when you take that one big, big swing. So I don't look at it and think necessarily you need to do that by February, but I I, I do think fans should be, like, obviously happy about the start they've had, and they've beaten some really good teams. But if you still looked at me and said, all right, Eastern Conference, seven-game series, you know, Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, whoever, I, I still probably don't group the Pacers right. just there just yet because I think defense does win out. I thought uh, Tony East, we had him on earlier in the week, he had a great stat. Um, if you look at last year in the playoffs, I believe it was every first-round winner but Golden State. It might have been every one but two, but I know Golden State wasn't one of them. They all were top half in the league in defense, and obviously Golden State is the one outlier. So is Indiana Golden State? offensively or is this something where the defense has got to improve if they want to win you know four games and and and, and seven come playoff time I, I just i don't think that the top three is, is reachable and and again i'm not going to say they could get blown out and then we're back to square one but i will say i have complained upon complaining about four egregious home losses and i think tonight you went in Milwaukee. I think you erase a couple of those. That's the impression I would get. Again, considering the circumstances of where they are in December and what may not be a normal focus for the home team in Milwaukee tonight in said mid-December NBA game. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I think what stands out about tonight too, John, and I said this earlier today, like I'm almost more curious about how Milwaukee responds. Like for the first time in this series – you know, it's not the Pacers. Oh boy, here comes Milwaukee. You've got no chance tonight. You know, do they lose by 18 or do they lose by 14 or whatever? How many is Giannis going to go for? You know, you have been the one that you know, whatever, bullied them, punched back, everyone to describe it. And now, you know, they're the ones having some internal chirping. And Lillard hasn't played. You know, I, I don't think at the level that you thought he would with this trade. So, um, I am particularly interested in. And in now, like. You, you've kind of created this with the upper echelon teams of this is not the plucky underdog Butler Cinderella story. This is a team that's beat you twice this year, and now uh, how does the you know defending champ or a champ in the last couple of years how do they respond to you? So um, again, I think I'm probably in the boat of and the good news is you got two more months before you need to rush into anything or do anything. I'm probably in the boat of you can make a move that can help you out defensively and make you better in a seven-game series and not all of a sudden stay to Tyrese Halliburton. Here's our one move. It's boom or bust. Like, you you, you yeah. can still, be, you know, be patient with that and wait on that, which I think you need to do as well. I don't think 
and you know, again, like look at Matherin from Monday night. Is that is that something that he is a 21 year old growing into more and more, like you know, kind of Jalen Brown's career on that sort of um, you know line, or is that a flukish night against the worst team in the NBA and the inconsistencies we saw from him early in the season? That's more of it. So, you know, those things I don't think you want to try and I don't know overshadow for a quick fix when that might not be enough to even beat Boston or Milwaukee in a seven-game series. Hey, Kevin Bowen joins us. I want to switch gears. Steelers, Colts, biggest game of the season, obviously, on Saturday. And you, you don't want to even have to think about how to figure out to get the Colts in the postseason if they were to lose at home to the Steelers. And plenty of losing in recent history to the Steelers, without question. This is a different Steelers team. This Colts team is up and down like a roller coaster. To me, this Colts team is just – they're good. And they're nothing above that, and sometimes they can play below that. But they they are good, and certainly good enough position-wise to get to the postseason right now. But the thing I was curious about, uh, I think you had a, a story at 1075thefan.com regarding Jonathan Taylor. And I asked this question. I can't be- remember if you and I talked about it or not, but was everybody – and this has been a bristling point for a lot of Colts fans getting mad at me when I bring it up. But was everybody on board with Jonathan Taylor going ahead and making that decision to get that done, get that thumb mended, go through surgery and missing this time, which more than likely is going to mean missing another week and another game coming up on Saturday? Or were there some in there that thought, you know, maybe you try to wrap this thing up regardless of the jeopardizing ball security and give us what you have through these moments late in the season? Yeah, I haven't gotten the vibe that there was a lot of pushback towards Taylor and his camp or um, that sort of thought. Because nobody would say it out loud. Sure. And again, I, I, I use vibe even more, you know, from a behind-the-scenes standpoint. I mean, again, obviously, <laughs> you're asking it for a reason. So, uh, you know, there there appears to be some chatter. I, in particular, have not heard that. Um, I kind of looked at it as, yeah, I mean, you know, he played the second half of the game. You know, you are curious. Obviously, he didn't really – report a whole lot and then whatever the natural adrenaline of the game wears off and now the injury becomes more apparent and whatever they throw him a football the next day in the facility and it doesn't go well et cetera, et cetera. Um, I kind of looked at it as yes it is a thumb injury for an NFL player and like on the surface yeah it, wrap it up NFL tough guy macho man you play his first fumble the first time and linebacker runs him over in pass protection and strip sacks Gardner Minshew you know, people are ripping the Colts for putting him out on the field with some sort of casted, wrapped-up thumb. So that's kind of how I viewed it. Um, you've certainly missed Taylor, but I think the run game issues are more trench-related, more no respect towards Gardner Minshew from a serious passing game standpoint, and that's why Zach Moss has been as ineffective as he's been uh, compared to what he was at the start of the season. But I guess to answer your question again, I yeah. have not heard it to that degree do you, you think that we would have seen and again it's it's kind of covered up band-aided if you will a little bit because they wanted nashville but would we have seen similar results with taylor in there or especially and i'm talking in terms of them not running the football well the last two weeks or do you think even with a bum thumb like that that we would have seen better numbers and maybe an offense that could click a little bit better than we have seen 
Honestly, where I think you would feel him a little bit more, John, is I, I thought Moss, I, I don't know if you want to call him outright drops, but I thought Moss was really poor in the pass game on Saturday. And I think if you are able to get Taylor a couple of touches, again, as a running back, I mean, hell, maybe I'm paying too much attention to the opponent, but you saw what Cincinnati did to you in that aspect of the game. I do think that's where Taylor can help you out. Um, specifically the run game, again, I would point <laughs> it more towards just an inability to block. Uh, Effectively, like, you know, if you look at Moss on Sunday, he had 13 carries, six of them went for zero or negative yards. Like, that is inexcusable. And to me, that is not just purely running back. That's a dude in his face as soon as Gardner Minshew gives him the football. Does, you know, Taylor have one great jump cut and all of a sudden that zero turns into three? Maybe. But I think for the most part, you know, Taylor would have had, you know, tough sledding against that Cincinnati team. And obviously the issue comes from, you know, Cincinnati um, being one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. But if you remember, yes, the Colts had that Tampa game a few weeks ago where they ran it well. But, John, they didn't run it well in Germany. They didn't run it well against Carolina. So if you look at – and Taylor played in all three of those games, Carolina, New England, and Tampa. So if you look at the last five games, um, I think the number is 2.7 yards per carry. They've been at that or under it in four of the five. And, again, three of those five games you had Taylor. So maybe a little better. But I think that's given the offensive line, you know, letting them off the hook a little bit too much. And, again, part of it I think is O-line driven, but I also think part of it is defenses now in December have seen enough of Gardner Minshew, and they say, let's load up that box like no other and make him beat us. What was happening with that defense? You were over there on Sunday, too. And granted, A, it was a better team even with the backup Jake Browning playing instead of Joe Burrow. I can't imagine what would have happened if Joe Burrow would have been playing, but it's still a, a better team, and we documented that. But why did the Colts continuously get beat in that screen game over and over? And then there was a mistake, and Ronnie Harrison Jr. ran it for a touchdown, and he thought maybe they got to Browning, and then they go to the half and come back, and they you know, retake that lead and reestablish that screen game. Why so little resistance with that screen and mind defensively Sunday? Yeah, I, I, I wish I had a good answer for you. Um, I mean, because that's what Cincinnati did to Jacksonville the week prior. And I think that's what makes it so frustrating is you have a backup and experienced quarterback, and he has the highest passer rating, Jake Browning, in the week and in the NFL last week. And half his yards came on screens. I mean, half of his passing yards came on passes behind the line of scrimmage. Like, and this is the NFL. Like, it, you know, you didn't even make it difficult for him. Sure, he completed some balls down the field, but you did not try and do that. Or I don't know if "try" is the right word, but you didn't do it uh, anywhere near um, to what you did to Will Levis. You know, the week prior. Or, you know, go back to Bryce Young, or even go back to week two with C.J. Stroud. I know Stroud. You know, find a lot of success early on in that, or uh, late in that game. But early on, you took advantage of a poor Houston offensive line, and and you know made that rookie feel uncomfortable. Um, again, you did sniff it with Browning, and that adds to disappointment because I thought a big kind of Chris Ballard core belief is you know trench play. Um, you oh know, God, we're not going to go here. Are we? We're going to go here. <laughs> right? Yeah, no. And it was a no show. Yeah. I thought, in yeah. A, in a in a huge game, and when you think about December outdoor playoff like football, you know. Cincinnati's probably a little bit more of a finesse team. And I thought they handled that on a short week. Whatever area you want to look at it, your run game, their run game, your ability to protect Minshew, their, your inability to get after the quarterback, all four of those you know, facets of you know, trench play, 
you didn't, you know, get that done at all. And I think that kind of adds to the disappointment. Because, you know, since, I mean, Cincinnati perimeter-wise, you know, they've got more skill. But for them to kind of, you know, win that line of scrimmage as convincingly as they did, that had to uh, bother Ballard big time. You had me at the Ballard core beliefs. You know that, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably going to just stop there. Some of those core beliefs hopefully have changed or evolved, if you will. I think evolved probably a better way to put it. Evolved over the years, I hopefully. Think, I, I, I think Shane Steichen's got his ear a little bit more than, you know, maybe the previous head coach did. Or um, I just think a little bit more open-mindedness to it. Uh, you know, but maybe part of that is, I, I, I think it, part of it is maybe Colts fans hope that. But, you know, how can you not listen to Shane Steichen? with you know his history offensively and even what he's done this year for you you know the one thing i love about where we work here and uh, the new company we will work for whenever we have a party there's always a dj i love that <laughs> you missed it today didn't you the christmas party yeah how uh so did you stop by there early i did i, I didn't throw any axes or anything but i um i know that either you know dj king and and, and kenny kicks you know wherever they go you know one or two if not both these guys end up djing and i'm so stinking jealous i so bad when i get up say, there and do it i suck so chance? bad at it yeah so there's Why did you not get on the ones and twos oh man i'm, I'm brutal that? i'm so brutal at beat mixing and i've got rhythm like nobody's business right here i am i'm rhythm nation sitting in this chair but i can't beat mix where the crap and it drives me nuts seriously now andy sweeney texted mark and i saying he had a great story from the holiday party he wants to share on air tomorrow did you happen to be around when maybe this said story would have risen did he uh cut his hair did he give himself a haircut with one of those axes because that's what they do down in southern indiana is cut their own hair with an axe (laughs) (laughs) where where is your where is your line of southern indiana based off where you grew up oh i'm in it man i'm in it i'm i'm just as hillbilly as he is just as so Andy is all cap Southern, and you're just making. Yeah, I mean Andy's southern. Andy is from Northern Kentucky. That's not really right. Indiana. Oh, yeah. That's Northern yeah. Kentucky. Is, yeah, Sellersburg is Northern Kentucky. Yeah, and I'm from I'm from Southern Indiana, and I I am just you should see you should see my mom, man, yeah, dude set that tried to set the place on fire last month and guys dogs are running everywhere i mean it is and i've got to hear it every day and i'm going oh my god what is happening here this is where and i love it and i i I think i'm allowed to make fun of it because that is me and i'm a part of it but man it uh it is definitely yeah i am very redneckish and that's where I'm from, and I come by it honestly. <laughs> how is uh, how is mom doing? Um, well, uh, she got knocked down by a bunch of dogs the other day, and I think before that, she um, somebody lives further up the gravel road that we we live on, and I, I think she said something to that. I said, "Hey, one of these days." You're going to get knocked down in the yard, and these people are going to drive by and leave your ass there, all right? So you, you want to be nice to people around you a little bit so you don't have to call me five minutes into my show and say, I'm laying out here in the middle of the yard. Can you come and pick me up? So Yeah, we don't need that, do we? <laughs> we don't. No, she's no. she's awesome. I was just down there last week, and I, I try to go down there about every week so and uh, make sure yeah. everything's okay. And then I've got a lot of eyeballs on her, too. And she doesn't know it because sure. if she knew it, she'd be all pissed. But, yeah, I've got a lot of eyeballs on her. So 
Well, that is the son she deserves. I don't know about that. She would disagree, brother. (laughs) Hey, one thirty on Saturday, I believe, is when I start. You going to be good to go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally spaced on that. Yeah, Um, yeah, one thirty on Saturday. Yep. Hey, Uh, Yeah, have Eddie maybe shoot me a text or something, but yep, that works. Give uh, Maddie Bowen and her foot our best, okay? I will. Yeah, thank you. She's not going volleyball line to volleyball line like uh, like like you would be uh, bummed out with that. So yeah, we are uh, we are crutching it up for another couple of weeks in the Bowen household. And act really surprised with Andy Sweeney's new axe handle haircut he's going to have tomorrow morning for you guys. <laughs> I have never been this wanting to walk into the studio and see. What, I mean, talk about we grow hair indie for Andy Sweeney. Oh, he left, he left red follicles all over that place today. <laughs> See you, buddy. Appreciate you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joining us because certainly uh, a part of it directly of putting this thing together. Tarina Perry joins us, Senior Director, Experimental Marketing, Lucas Oil, and Executive Committee, Indiana Sports Corp. All of that on one card that I'm sure she hands out to everybody right there. Hi, Tarina. How are you? Hello. How are you? Now, is uh, Patrick on here or is it just you? Patrick was supposed to join us, but I don't know if he was able to get through. Oh, that's okay. Because you, you, I can't not. I've been talking to these coaches, and they absolutely love it. I'm an Indiana State grad, and I love the fact that you guys did put this together with both Ball State and Indiana State in mind. I mean, it's one thing with Purdue and Arizona. I mean, that's that would stand alone, no question. But making a day of it like this in downtown with everything going on is absolutely spectacular. So congratulations on the job well done with i believe the event sold out too right it is and thank you so much we are so so excited to bring the indy classic back to indianapolis for the second year this is you know an indiana sports corporation um event uh owned event um and it's just we're so happy and we're so proud to bring this um this type of basketball to indiana how difficult is this we're known i I say we like i'm doing something i don't have any (laughs) effect on this whatsoever but we are known here in this location in indy as being able to put on the greatest of events it Does that just come with experience or how much goes into putting together an event like this on Saturday? Certainly. Um, Indiana Sports Corp., you know, we are the commission that brings um, all events to Indianapolis. So it's we're the sporting commission that brings sports to Indiana. So it's it's a full time staff with Indiana Sports Corp. It's a full board of members from our community that come together that bring these types of events to Indianapolis. It's local organizing committees coming together um, from the community that help put this on. There's amazing volunteers from our community that are a part of this as well. So it is a heavy lift from our community, from volunteers, from our wonderful sports corp, um, full-time staff. It is certainly um, a huge lift on on everyone's part. All right. Tarina Perry joins us. How long have you been doing this? Events? Gosh, I've been in the event world for a long time. I've been with Lucas Oil Products for Hmm. 14 years. Um, and um, 
you know, I work in the experimental, experiential, sorry, I'm so sorry, experiential marketing department. So I'm the senior director of that. And then, um, so I've done that a long time, but for Sports Corp, gosh, I, 30, 40 years. By the way, I think I read it as experimental. (laughs) It is not, it is not, see, you're just not, you're not dealing with, I I made this appear, you're not dealing with somebody that's got the smarts real good here. So just realize that. I I said, there's nothing experimental about the job that you do right here. I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. But what what is, what does your job entail, not just for this event, but entail in, in bringing that next event or multi events sporting wise for the future here certainly and we look we look out we look at through the next 10 20 years we try to stay that far out with planning events the bids sometimes come to us sometimes we go out for the bids and request what we would like to see come to our city so patrick talty who is our president and ceo of indiana sports corp and their team they just they do a wonderful job which is looking at the landscape of sporting across the globe and bring the best events to Indiana. So Tarina Perry who joins us, can you let us in on a little bit that may be coming down in the future? Anything you can talk about at all? I can't. <laughs> no. No, come on Nothing. now. Come on. Nothing that's that's that that's not already published. But Okay. You know, um as Sports Corp, you know, we 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 go after combine. We want to try to keep combine the NFL combine in our city. We we look forward to you know our Big Ten championships and all NCAA events that we that we usually will bring um, to Indiana. We have a history of bringing um, Final Fours, you know, women's Final Four, men's Final Fours, and so that you know those are those bigger events on our on 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 our landscape, but. There are some other events to come down the pipeline that will be rebuilt soon. Do you? I don't know how to ask this because I know you probably don't want to give an opinion on it, but I, I just, I guess I bring this up, Tarina, because it was announced that I, I think a Super Bowl of future is, is going to Southern California and LA. Do you think there's ever a chance, an opportunity? Because it, it went over just 100% great the first time. For Indy to get another Super Bowl, you think that chance is out there still? It's certainly at the top of mind for us. It's not an active bid for us, right. but it is always at the top of mind for us to bring Super Bowl back to Indianapolis. Ah, it was so great, and and I just thought by execution alone that it's deserving uh, of of another around here and and the job that was done, but. I just kind of question whether or not. And the other thing that stands out to me, and again, Trina Perry joins us from the Sports Corp. When we went through COVID, and one of the most amazing things that I think I've ever seen in sports was when the NCAA tournament was basically held in a so-called bubble, you know, around here. Now, I know they played, I think, in West Lafayette and down in Bloomington, too, but basically in central Indiana. That was one of the more amazing feats that was pulled off that I can remember, I mean, seriously, across the board. That was so amazing. That will always stand out to me. We went through a bad time, but you're trying to make really good things out of what you were going through at those moments, and and it just could not have been done any better, executed any better around here. Well, thank you so much for that compliment. And that certainly was a heavy lift on not only sports court part, but a lot of people in the community and volunteers had to come out and just manage the everyday logistics that it takes to take all of March Madness and bring it to one city, you know, that's 
the heavy lifts to, to bring part of March Madness um, to to a city, but to bring it all here was certainly a, a, a certainly a, a heavy lift. But we were happy to do it, um, and and very proud of the success that came out of that. Um, all right, again, you got the Indy Classic coming up on Saturday. It is yeah. sold out. But have you thought about what Saturday is going to look like in downtown? It's going to be awesome. My- I know. Um, when you know, we got the news that the Colts were coming in and uh, putting their, you know, Colts versus Pittsburgh Steelers right on top of Purdue in Arizona. Like yeah. we, but you know what? We our city has handled bigger things. Yeah. So for us, we are absolutely ready to go. Um, logistics are buttoned up, and it should be a fun time in downtown Indianapolis on Saturday. I have, uh, by the way, Tarina, I've talked myself into the fact that the reason why you brought Indiana State over here is because I'm a grad. But then I went with experimental, yeah. and then I don't know if I could. <laughs> I don't know if I could pull that off. <laughs> well, of course, that's why we brought Indiana State here. Of course. <laughs> Hey, it is uh, congratulations on a job well done because these these days like Saturday are the ones that we really sports wise live for around here, and it's going to be outstanding and, and can't wait. Indiana State, Ball State, and Purdue and Arizona, and again, you guys for the Indy Classic, you are officially sold out, correct? We are sold out officially, yes. Uh, Tarina Perry, Director of Event Marketing at Lucas Oil Products, right? If I'm looking at that right, and then you've got a really long thing that I've already didn't do right out of the gate here so i'm not going to try to hit it so uh but no seriously awesome time thanks for joining us and if you ever need anything please don't hesitate to call and especially if you got a scoop on something coming up because i love to talk about this i love i love to put indianapolis in a position where it shines and you guys so often do that for us and and i know everybody around here i can speak for everybody around here certainly sports fans thank you very much for what you do Certainly, and thank you so much for your support and being a great partner. We appreciate you so much. Serena, you join us anytime. Thank you. Thank you.